Welcome to the Leadership Now podcast with Dr. Aaron Rock, lead pastor of Harvest Bible Church in Windsor, Ontario. On this show, we talk about the nuts and bolts of theology, church life, cultural issues, pastoral leadership, ethics, and other relevant matters that will help you lead better now. I'm your host, Chris Eelman, and today we're going to talk about the pressing issue of the third lockdown that has just been announced by the province of Ontario. I'm sure many of you who are listening are well aware that Premier Doug Ford just made this announcement. And while the terms of this lockdown may be less severe than previous lockdowns, this news for us is incredibly discouraging, especially as we head into an Easter weekend. And so we're going to be talking about that. And uh, maybe, Aaron, you just want to get us caught up to speed where we're at and what uh, what you're seeing from your vantage point as a pastor of a local church. We missed uh, Easter 2020. We missed Christmas 2020. And now there's a possibility that many of our people are going to miss Easter 2021. Uh, this is flabbergasting to me. Uh, it's, it's in many respects beyond belief that our premier and health officials would not see the clear affront to the Christian church and the gospel of Jesus Christ and all of this. I know that secular listeners are people that are perhaps more charitable toward our officials will bristle at that because many, unfortunately, in the church see this purely along health lines and medical lines. I don't. I think by now I'd like just like to challenge my listeners. If you're not seeing the spiritual warfare in that, uh, you need to do some business with God. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're in the middle of a satanic war at this point. Uh, we're seeing uh, some of the high points on the Christian calendar times when we have significant numbers of unbelievers come into church, sit under the sound of the gospel and get saved uh, being hindered from that. That's mm-hmm. satanic. Uh, We're seeing people struggle. I had a friend on Facebook recently comment that um, to the effect that if she's locked out of church again, she almost feels that something inside of her is going to die. And I got to tell you that that really pulls on my heartstrings when I, when I hear that from people struggling on that level, knowing that as a pastor and as a Christian, that, the life that people draw from God's people gathering in an an unrestricted way, worshiping Christ without fear of getting sick or police knocking on the door or health officials standing outside issuing tickets. Wow. It's, it's very difficult. This is, um, this is emotional for me, Chris. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I'm obviously trying to keep my composure, but I, I'm furious Mm -hmm. at, um, this decision that's been made, uh, you know, this, this is starting to sound like a broken record. Mm-hmm. Um, w- these waves that are coming, I haven't even seen a ripple yet. I, I know of nobody who's died. Nobody who, there's nobody in our church that's ever been hospitalized for this. And um, yet we're, we're once again allowing the technocrats, meaning the paid experts employed by the government who want to protect their own butts and who are focused exclusively on uh, slowing the the transmission of a virus that kills almost nobody who's healthy. It's just the same old, same old round and round and round and round we go. Mm -hmm. And the imbalance of this, 
not considering the spiritual, the psychological, the mental impact on people is just astonishing. Our officials, our mayor, our counselors, our premier, our MPPs, mm-hmm. I, I know it's a provincial issue, but MPs, they've, they've just stopped even answering our correspondence. Mm-hmm. They've literally stopped representing us. And I'll tell you where my thinking is in that. If elected officials stop responding to the people that have elected them, then I would feel very comfortable not responding to any decrees or edicts that they issue to us. Don't expect me to do my job by being a good citizen when you won't even represent the will of the people Hmm. uh, who have spoken out loud and clear. Hundreds, uh, uh, probably tens of thousands of people have written letters and spoken out against this idea of the third lockdown. And we have a bunch of bullheaded ignoramuses who are determined to uh, force the, these draconian measures upon us for yet a third time mm-hmm. uh, without justifying demonstrably the need for them, without providing the evidence, just carte blanche, cross the province, doesn't matter what's going on in your area. We're just locking everybody down again. And um, so this, this is... Uh, a dark day in Canadian history, and, and we obviously want people to think through it, but there should be a certain fury and emotional reaction, a righteous anger that people should be having as we're confronted with this. Yeah. And we're going to get to in a few minutes how you can channel that anger productively towards something. Uh, but just wanting to re- resoundingly say, absolutely, it's a very distressing time. Uh in conversations as a pastor counseling and speaking with people hearing of suicides, even in our community recently that have happened uh, and very much tied to lockdown restrictions, Um, talking to business owners that are, you know, their, their place of employment has been now funded by their own personal house mortgage or whatever else being remortgaged and things like that being very much uh, challenged. And so I just want our listeners to know we're not just only concerned about one small slice of uh, what the public might say broader society in terms of the church, but we're concerned about on a very large scale, even the fact that the premier has just said, uh, you know, this Easter, you are not to get together with people outside of your household. Um, They're shutting down, they're shutting down meals with friends and neighbors and all those things. And that obviously increases all kinds of issues. So yes, we are very, very concerned about the church. Um, That's, because we're pastors, that's our, our calling, but we're also very, very interested in the rest of society. Um, so Aaron, this is obviously very distressing. One of the things that I think has come up often, uh, recently is the variance. They're talking about variance and there's an increased risk. And we have on various podcasts and articles established for our listeners, why, uh, the government does not have the sphere of authority over the church regarding, you know, telling us, we should not have this certain capacity because the risk uh, because of a virus. And so, but some people have arguably asked back, okay, but does the church have authority over itself to limit attendance or to take into consideration things if the risk gets to the point where people are dying all around us? So I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if that was a clear enough question, but maybe you can springboard off of that. Yeah. Well, you're, you're basically wanting to speak to the issue of, um, you know, what our red line is in terms of closing our church and, you know, how we're balancing the issues of risk and reward. And I think 
you know, a, a simple-minded person might want a one-sentence response, but I, I think there's several things for us to consider. Um, first of all, and these are no particular order, but first of all, we now have a government that has essentially cried wolf. They've, they've, each time there's been a new reason attached to the virus. The first time it was, you know, hundreds of thousands of people are going to die, hundreds of thousands, even in our own province. We didn't see that. That was last year. Coming into the fall, you know, all, again, they, they hyped it up again. I, I'm starting to lose track of even what their argument was then, but they, they hyped it up uh, again. Mm-hmm. And we just didn't see that. Um, we, we now have the new narrative, which is we got these variants floating around and people in their 40s and 50s, you know, are, are you know, at greater risk than ever before. Um, so the, 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 one of the things that crosses my mind is, in all honesty, I'm, I'm having a hard time believing these people. Mm-hmm. I'm really having a hard time believing them. I honestly think that there's a virus out there it's not a great virus, um, but primarily up till now, you know, you look at the past, the past informs the present. And up till now, it's primarily, if not exclusively, focused on people with comorbidities and who are, who are um, vulnerable, mm-hmm. more vulnerable than the average person. And um, then we have the, the inability and unwillingness of the government and the officials that are making these decisions to consider the broader implications. We have Doug Ford saying things like, uh, the premier of Ontario, Doug Ford saying things like, well, it's political suicide not to listen to, you know, your chief medical officer. Nobody would do that. I mean, it's like putting a rope around your neck and jumping off a bridge. So right there, he's basically saying, I'm only listening to one person. I'm Mm -hmm. not going to listen to anybody else. We have people commenting on social media. They've written letter after letter, had no response. These people are not listening. This just says to me, these are not responsible people. Mm-hmm. The premier, the health officials, these are not responsible adults. I know that sounds like a harsh thing to say, but they're not responsible adults. They're actually not doing their job. Mm-hmm. They're not providing us with the evidence. They, they cry wolf. They come out with these exaggerated narratives. They provide us with no evidence. And it, it's expect us to say, okay, um, you know, as our, as a little plebeians, well, we'll just bow down and believe whatever you happen to say. Uh, you were wrong last time, by the way, and you're wrong the time before that. But okay, if you say this, there's a problem. So in all honesty, my, my trust for these people is in the toilet. Mm-hmm. But... That aside, let's say there was a deadly virus raging through our community, killing people. I still would not feel comfortable before God closing down the church. People are, adult people can decide for themselves whether or not they can attend church. Adult people can decide for themselves the the degree of risk that they're willing to put themselves in. you know, in, in the face of, mm-hmm. in, in order to to worship Christ. And what the world doesn't understand is we actually have something called resurrection hope. Mm-hmm. We have something called resurrection hope. And we understand that our we are constituted of more than just our biology. We have a, a soul, a spirit. We're relational beings. We have other needs to meet. You, I've said this r- mm-hmm. repeatedly. And I, I, I feel like I'm just repeating myself in many respects on this particular podcast that you cannot lock people down and rip them off of mental, social, 
spiritual support and expect them to thrive and be healthy. It's not possible. Mm-hmm. It's not possible. The, the Church of Jesus Christ must meet. Even during the bubonic plague, the church met. There were some churches during the Spanish flu, within which, by the way, you actually saw corpses piled up on the street, which we haven't yet seen. We've seen corpses piled up in freezer containers because people can't get into the, the uh, funeral home to make arrangements. But that's, of course, spun to make it look like uh, mm-hmm. you know people are dying by the droves. But churches during the Spanish flu at, at times chose not to meet for very brief interludes, mm-hmm. but continue to minister to their people. Like if we looked around our church and we said, okay, people are dying, people are hospitalized, I can guarantee you our elders who love our people far more than any technocrat or elected politician would come up with our own internal plan for how to deal with that, whatever that would look like. I can guarantee you that. Mm-hmm. But what we are resistant to is we have not had, to my knowledge, okay, one single human being associated with our church that's been hospitalized even for 20 minutes with COVID-19. And this has been going on for a year. Mm-hmm. But we have seen people apostatize, fall away from faith, marriage is ruined. You know, we've, we've had friends of friends talk about the suicides that they've witnessed. Again, who cares about all of that? Now there's a new variant. Mm-hmm. And um, so while, while uh, if... If, and we just haven't been, if we actually found ourselves three, four, five, six weeks from now, uh uh-oh, we got 10 people hospitalized. Now we got 20. Now we got 50. Oh, we had a couple deaths. The elders of the church would convene and and, and have a discussion about that. Mm -hmm. But the reality is we've seen none of it in our church. We've not been affected by it at all. Uh, Nobody has died. I've buried one person in the entire year, and that was a gentleman that died of cancer. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, it was probably marked up as a COVID death in some hospital someplace, you know, tongue in cheek. But we've not seen any of that. Mm -hmm. But we've seen all this other damage. And again, it's infuriating that we're supposed to set aside all of our experiences, which, which have told us all of our experiences are this. They can be boiled down to this. Nobody here is suffering from COVID. Hundreds of people are suffering from a whole bunch of other things. But we're supposed to ignore all that. In the in the event of a what if, a what if, a what if. Mm-hmm. I'll further say, where, where are the governments in terms of expanding our ICU capacities? How long does it take for governments to build more hospital beds? I mean, I could build hospital beds faster than they could in my garage. So we're not seeing a res- we're not seeing a responsible uh, response. It's a simplistic response. It's the response actually of a simpleton to simply think. Oh, we got a problem. We're going to keep running the same play every time we come up with a problem, even though it solves virtually nothing. We're going to rename. It's a lockdown. Now it's an emergency break, whatever it might be. Generally, you you pull an emergency break in an emergency. Mm-hmm. There's no emergency here in Essex County and have mm-hmm. probably the majority of the municipalities, mm-hmm. even in Toronto, where they say there's an overload. I was reading, I think it was yesterday, they're, they're, I think they're around 80% and 90% is where they start to get worried. So we're not even there yet. So I, I think that there's a satanic uh, element to all of this. Our leaders don't necessarily understand that because they actually think they're pretty smart. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they refer to themselves as experts, which they're frankly not. But they think they're pretty smart. But in actual fact, we have 
a full-blown satanic war being leveled against the people of God and against the church. And it's time for the people of God to wake up and declare Mm -hmm. the absolute sovereignty of the Lord Jesus Christ over their health, over their churches, over their society. And it's time for the rest of society. The rest of society should be standing with us as the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we shouldn't be, you know, the, the lone individuals crying out on a, on a hill, you know, t- telling the town below that doom and destruction is coming. The whole city should be in uproar about this. Mm-hmm. Our, our, there, should be, there should be so much uproar that our voice is being, um, you know, largely drowned out. Yeah. And you know what? I think based on just you saying that and based on conversations I've had even in this last week, I think a lot of people are moving in that direction a lot quicker than perhaps in the past. And even, you know, some people have been uh, changing their tune and probably all of our listeners listening in, uh, I would say the majority of them are saying like, amen to everything you're saying. Uh, Perhaps we have though friends that we've been connecting with that are starting to maybe change their tune and say this, okay, this is unreasonable. This, they, they may have, you know, gone along with it. One lockdown, two lockdowns. And now this third lockdown, they're saying, I am just done. I see what you're saying. What would you give as advice for those people that just now are starting to wake up and be like, wait a second, this is wrong. Like, obviously they may not have been reading for the last eight, 12 months, uh, all the material, what might be some advice that you'd give them to kind of catch them up to speed and, uh, figure out what to do? Yeah. Well, I mean, better to be late, late to the picnic than to miss it all together. Mm-hmm. You know, some, some people are, are gonna, okay. I'm, I'm a hundred percent convinced that what we've been saying for the past several months is accurate and true and biblical, but I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. But the reality is we've been way ahead of the game for for most Christians and for most churches. That's fine. We would prefer just to fade into the woodwork Mm -hmm. and just become drowned out by a sea of other churches, voices, pastors, leaders, politicians that stand up as well. That's what I would actually prefer. Mm -hmm. I'd prefer to just step out of the drama and out of the limelight and have nothing more to do with this in terms of public declaration. So I'm not enjoying this at all, Mm -hmm. Okay, just so that people understand that. But the reality is, you know, we, we've been sounding this alarm for almost a year now. And um, I would say to those that maybe are coming around or have now shown up at the picnic, the proverbial picnic, catch up on your reading. Okay, we have a, a section on our website with various articles. There's a red banner on our website, harvestwindsor.ca, that has several articles and teachings that I've provided you can hop on the Ezra Institute site. There's some podcasts on there and whatnot. You can go to the Liberty Coalition Canada website. There's lots of resources there. So make sure you're in the know. But the bottom line is you don't have to know about all the variants. And I virtually don't even bother reading the data, by the way. I hardly know what's going on with the data because it's irrelevant to me. You have to start from the center and work your way out. You have to understand some basic things. Basic thing number one, and this applies to everybody, Christian or not, you know as well as I know that human beings are more than biological beings, Right. period. You know that. Yep. That's why you have fear. That's why you have relationships. That's why you worry about how much money is in the bank. That's why you feel upset when you're alone. Okay, you know it. Mm-hmm. We're more than biological beings. And so whenever you have a crisis, you can't destroy 
part of your humanity to save one aspect of your humanity. And that principle applies out to the whole. So j- uh, just understand that. You, you, you just kind of yep. lock this idea down in your head. You cannot focus exclusively on biotic health. You cannot fo- focus exclusively on biotic health to the exclusion of everything else. You have to provide balance. When there's a crisis, for Pete's sake, you have to provide balance. Mm-hmm. We have our premier saying, like, just, just mind-boggling to me to have a conservative premier say things like, you know, we can, our number one priority is health. We can get to the economy later. Like, what are you thinking? We mm-hmm. live in a physical world. Mm-hmm. You can't, that's just such a, a false dichotomy. It's not an either-or. If you want to put in some basic health protocols to, to mitigate against the spread of a virus, fine. Who would be opposed to that? Zero. Zero mm-hmm. people would be opposed to that. But this notion that you can absolutely stop a virus, but it, in order to stop the virus, you're destroying people an umpteen dozen other ways is the the height of irresponsible leadership and myopic vision. And I will mm-hmm. not tolerate that, nor should any church tolerate that. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, I think that... Um, uh, the, the the second major thing that we should all be concerned about as Canadians, and you know, for American listeners, <laughs> you should be concerned about this as well. But our country just tends to be a little more digressive in this way. Is that we have structures and laws in place that they don't seem to be worth anything anymore. Mm-hmm. Canadians often bemoan places like uh, you know England, that from what I understand doesn't have like a a, a written constitution or charter i can't recall which to the same degree that we do and we you know we ours is in writing ours is in writing look we have this thing in writing it's essentially proved itself to be worthless yep since it came into place in 1982 now under its first major test mm-hmm. in my lifetime and it's essentially proven itself to be absolutely worthless you can just toss it all out and do whatever you want mm-hmm. so um our, our our political system's an absolute mess. The mismanagement is astronomical. The hypocrisy among government officials is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've broken the they've broken these rules time and time again, and then charged and imprisoned people like myself um, for charged and or imprisoned. I said, I wasn't imprisoned yep. yet anyway. Yeah. Um, but pastor James Coates was, we know, but they've, they've charged people like myself from prison people for standing up and defending, e- even if you're not a Christian from a legal perspective, your basic rights. Mm-hmm. And we're the bad guys. We're the criminals. Mm-hmm. We're the criminals, but we have officials on all levels of government breaking the rules with immunity. Mm-hmm. The same people that are ticketing men like myself have broken the rules themselves with absolute immunity. Yeah. Folks, this should infuriate any yep. patriot in our country. And, uh, you know, whether you came to this country in the last generation or two, or like myself, you know, you've been, whose forebears have been here before it was even called Canada, uh, people actually shed their blood for these freedoms and just to sort of throw them away. Or to think, well, there's a virus, so you know the experts are telling us we can put the charter aside. It's it's just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we would all like I think agree, and we're seeing one of the great costs of the lockdowns and the irrationality of all of it is that it does cost a loss of respect and trust in the actual rule of law that we're supposed to be governed by, which we don't want. 
We don't want people to disrespect the law. We don't want people to disrespect the premier. We don't want people to disrespect. But the reason why I'm speaking out against these people mm-hmm. and against the violation of these laws is because what they're doing is wrong and it's irresponsible. Yes. And if I, as a pastor, start preaching heresy, I'm responsible to my congregation for that. I'm going to be disciplined. Or if I commit egregious sinful acts, mm-hmm. I'm going to be held accountable to that because there's actually standards and expectations. Well, guess what? There's also standards and expectations for people in political leadership. Mm-hmm. And I think they've failed terribly. Mm-hmm. So we have people that are coming around and they're kind of, um, you know, say, seeing this and they're like, yes, I see it now. It's um, They're really seeing it. Um, yet we're still still ministering to people that are living in fear. And we'll get to some of the other things in a moment, but just this one thing I think is helpful and important. We are ministering to a lot of still fearful people, uh, maybe not at church, uh, but maybe in our conversations with neighbors or family or uh, things like that. People that see the risk and they don't see the resurrection hope that somehow there's a disconnect in their brain between, you know, what we're about to celebrate on Easter Sunday, yeah. resurrection Sunday and their day-to-day lives. Do you have, for for me as a pastor, I'm thinking about how I minister to these people and pay, possibly those listening are thinking, how do you minister to somebody who's living in e- what we would certainly call irrational fear yeah. and certainly unbiblical fear? Mm-hmm. Well, let me, let me approach that from sort of a, a very practical, biblical, pers- practical perspective than a biblical perspective. So pr- practically speaking, uh, uh, Christian or not, uh, you you cannot control when you will or will not die. Period. You cannot control whether you will or will not die. Now, there's a certain aspect of that that needs to be adjusted to that statement. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you step out in front of a car, you're going to get smacked. If you jump into a lion's den, you're likely to get bit especially if the lion's hungry. Mm-hmm. So there, there is a certain sense in which you are responsible to um, move away from danger. But we've talked in the past about this idea of risk and reward. Mm-hmm. It's amazing to me that people put themselves at risk all the time and they don't normally think about it. But when now the, the risk, even though it's very minuscule for dying of COVID-19, is all that's on people's minds. So we have people, for example, that, drive 30, 40, 40,000 kilometers a year in their cars up and down the 401 across all the highways and byways of their state and mm. province. Folks, people get killed on the highway all the time. I have a younger brother that's catastrophically disabled because of a car accident, right? Mm-hmm. We put ourselves at risk all the time. We eat garbage food. You know, we have high cancer rates in our culture, high diabetes. We have people walking around that are morbidly obese, but they're stuffing donuts in their face, but they're terrified of dying from the virus. It's, mm-hmm. it's absurd. They're smoking cigarettes, but they're terrified of dying from the virus. Um, I, I think people just need to put it into perspective. We're all going to die one day. And mm-hmm. b- biblically, we need to ask ourselves a question. Why are we so afraid of that? Let me just ask this very simple question, which is going to probably you know, kind of get to the core of the issue for all the listeners. I want you to think about this for your own personal life if you're listening to my voice right now. Why are you afraid of dying? Think about that. Mm-hmm. Why are you afraid of dying? Why is that such a big deal to you? Why does that really matter? Get up every day, 
Live your life to the glory and honor of God. And when God chooses to take you, he'll take you. But don't shut your whole life down. If you live for 70 years, which is kind of the the biblical mandate, three score and 10, you're going to throw away one, two, maybe three years of your life, which is a pretty significant percentage, hiding in your home because you're afraid of dying. Mm -hmm. I'd rather live large and die earlier. Live for the purposes of the kingdom, share my faith, demonstrate my resurrection hope. Like, why are people so afraid of dying? Mm -hmm. I've often joked to people and I said, I'm not particularly looking forward to the method of my death, especially if it happens to be painful. I'm not afraid of dying. If I knew that I was going to get taken out in the quote unquote third wave by COVID-19, six weeks, a month from now, whatever it might be, I wouldn't be hiding in my home. I'd continue to live my life exactly the way I am. I'd preach the gospel. I'd exercise my responsibilities. And when my time comes, my time comes. You know what that is? That's a life of freedom and peace. Mm -hmm. But the reason why we have a world out there that's terrified of death is because they don't have resurrection hope. Mm -hmm. They should actually be scared of death. But it's the secular mindset and worldview that's affected the church. Like I have friends that I love deeply that have done virtually no ministry for the past year because they're afraid of their own health. They're afraid of, you know, I I might die. Mm -hmm. Big deal. You're going to die one day anyway. And in the big scope of things, if you're a Christian, you stand before the Lord and Lord invites you into heaven and you've lived 35 years or 90 years. doesn't really matter. Live your life to the honor and glory of the King. But a very practical piece of advice, if you're living in fear, turn off the news. Because human experience, okay, human experience is very different than the data dumps Mm -hmm. and the news articles that we're receiving all the time. So human experience says nobody in our church has been hospitalized. Nobody has died. I've heard of people, a friend of a friend had a friend who died who was in his 80s. I think he was 84, 86, which is three or four years past the national average anyway. I mean, you're essentially, I don't want to be uh, simplistic, but you're on borrowed time once you get past 81, 82 years of age. It's all kind of bonus time. Like you're in over, you know, you're in extra innings at that point in time. Older people die. That's the Mm -hmm. reality. A reality check, folks. Older people die. Let's just remind ourselves of that. Not trying to be crass, but older people die. That's a Mm -hmm. fact. Mm -hmm. And I don't think most of those older people, by the way, would want to see the generations that come after them destroyed. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though I think most of this problem could be solved by focusing on the LTC issues with targeted protection plans. Anyway, I'm probably digressing there a little bit, but um, turning off the news, getting away from the television set, stop watching the briefings. I mean, what what it does for me is it makes me angry. Sometimes I have to get away from it. So, you know, my besetting sin, I suppose, in all this is anger. And hopefully it's more often than not just righteous anger. But I think the besetting sin for many, especially those not in leadership, is fear. Mm -hmm. And let's just call that for what it is. That's called sin, folks. Fear, that's sin. That's you trying to control your life, trying to control the outcome. You need to repent of that. You need to put your faith in Jesus Christ. You need to put on your big boy pants. Mm -hmm. You need to read 1 Corinthians 15, which says we don't mourn like those who have no hope, right? Mm -hmm. We have resurrection hope because of what Jesus has accomplished for us. So let's kind of re-envision that early tomb, 
the the women showed up, the tomb was empty. We have a resurrected Christ that has secured for us resurrection life. That's our hope. If you're a Christian, unless you're just a cultural Christian that thinks you're a Christian, if you're a true Christian, the spirit of God is in you, get rid of the fear starting right now and live your life conscientiously for others. But fear will lead you absolutely nowhere. Yeah. And I think this weekend you need to get to church <laughs> because Amen. church is where you're going to hear about that resurrection hope. And what we've seen, I've seen this even in my own life. Um, you know, I can remember this is going to sound uh, a little crazy and scandalous, but I can remember last fall having given a, a brother a handshake again for the first time in months Okay, and do, doing a double take and being like, uh, I just shook his hand. Uh, is this okay? Is this right? Sinner. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I broke, I broke a rule. I broke a rule giving a handshake, but it's interesting how, because you almost have to reintegrate slowly yeah. in some ways. I, I think in some ways, uh, just if we were to like hit the mental reset button and go to February, 2020 for everybody right now, some, some people would be like, it would be such a shock. It's almost like PTSD. Yeah. Uh, and so I guess maybe some encouragement there in terms of like, you know, you may not go right from zero to a hundred, but like shake somebody's hand Maybe this steps. week. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, and those good, kind of Chris. things. So hopefully that is helpful to you uh, and know that there is truth. Um, okay. Let's, let's change our focus a little bit to churches. So we, we've talked a lot about churches um, this weekend. You know, I, I actually saw a post, uh, somebody saying, you know, like pray for your pastor this weekend. There's a lot of stress. Honestly, by now, most pastors have probably made their decision about sure. their principles behind uh, what they're doing. You know, it doesn't really make a drastic difference to go from 30% to 15%. That's what the restrictions are in some ways, uh, because you either abide by it or you don't abide by it. But what would you be your messages for churches that are just saying we're not we're not even open at all or, um, you know, maybe we're, we're sticking with the 15% or what kind of thing like that? There's always going, there's always a little bit of um, an awkwardness when I'm asked questions about giving advice to other churches because. I'll know, assume full responsibility yeah, for your okay, answer. Okay, <laughs> you can totally you. be, it's on me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that. Um, j- just because I don't, I don't know all of the details of why people think, act and feel the way they do. So I got to speak in generalities. So excuse me if you're listening and you just, there's circumstances I'm not aware of that are different. Um, But at at this point, uh, at this point, it's unfathomable to me that every true Christian pastor would not see this primarily through the lens of spiritual warfare. That's just unfathomable to me. That we could literally be in a situation where people miss Easter for like three, three years mm-hmm. where people have not been in church for two years where people are excluded from church because they haven't been vaccinated, mm-hmm. you know, against their conscience or whatnot. Uh, that's unfathomable to me. I, I think that's tragic and I'm not really sure there's much benefit in me calling out other pastors. Contrary to popular perception, I've actually spent very little time in my writing or speaking, calling out or accusing other pastors of anything. I, I think their silence uh, is demonstrating their irrelevance. Hmm. Sad to say, but I think their mm-hmm. silence is demonstrating their irrelevance. The pro-lockdown 
the uber compliant, the we say nothing churches, you're basically, sorry to say, guys, you're just you're just broadcasting to the world what you do really doesn't amount to a hill of beans. And when you're called upon to speak out against future issues, no one's going to listen to you because you didn't stand in the battle of your lifetime. People aren't going to listen to you unless you've repented and admitted it. The reality is closed churches that are not making effort to minister incarnationally to their people are irresponsible unbiblical churches that have, for the most part, again, barring unforeseen circumstances, bowed and buckled to Caesar, to the beast. And it's interesting how, you know, back in the day when it was only two weeks to flatten the curve, okay, then we'll extend it two more, okay, you know, and then a month and then two months and then this weird waiting period in the summer where we had these, this little micro reprieve. And then, you know, by August, there might be a second wave and then kind of chewing on our fingernails through to the fall. Like at some point people, you, you just got to say, okay, enough's enough. Mm-hmm. Like enough's enough. It's been over a year. My people are suffering and struggling unless you're not doing anything. Like mm-hmm. unless you're just completely irrelevant in the first place. You need to step up and start ministering to your people meaningfully. And part of that, I think, means pushing back against some of the foolishness that we see in culture today. Or you're, you're totally going to be sidelined when it comes to any of the cultural wars. Um, so, you know, open up your churches and mm-hmm. open up your ministry and re-engage with people and try to get people back to some semblance of normalcy. I mean, man, we have enough issues in our church helping people to to work through all the challenges of life just when circumstances are normal. Well, now, you know, we have people basically running around with a form of PTSD. I mean, most people, maybe even myself included, there's just like this low-level blah, like this yep. almost like a, a, a depression or yeah. something. Um, I was listening to uh, Pastor James Coates there in, in Alberta. Uh, on a Rebel News um, interview, and he was kind of asked, you know, essentially, how you feeling? And he, you could tell, he was just like, I don't, I don't really know. He's just kind of, it's hard to describe. And then my wife interviewed his wife this week on her podcast. Same kind of thing. And I'm thinking, this is totally where I'm at. Like, mm-hmm. it's hard to even describe what you're feeling. You got to come up with new, new language, new vocabulary for it. Um. Well, I've been a Christian for over 40 years. What about people who are new to the faith? Again, like, do I need to name names to get this through people's heads? People literally, I put my hand in a Bible, are walking away from the Christian faith, mm-hmm. are falling back into challenges and addictions because of the lockdown. In churches where zero people have been hospitalized. Just think about that. Weigh it out. Put it on a scale. Yep. Here's a scale on one side. Zero people hospitalized. Here's on the other side. People apostatizing. Folks, <laughs> the responsibility to respond to the reality of the needs instead of the the you know the what ifs is is pretty straightforward. Yeah. Open your churches. Yeah. I think uh, this last year I was introduced to a term called gaslighting. I don't know if you've come across it before, but basically it's when there's an issue going on but other people say it's not an issue. And so I I have felt over this past year like that is the case where 
you know, we see these issues, people apostatizing, yeah. suicides, whatever else. And yet almost even other Christian pastors have oh, said yeah. things like, oh, well, on. it's the, the sovereignty of God oh, yeah. and they appeal to those things. So obviously that's very, you know what, very, if God is, if, if that's your definition of God's sovereignty, just close your church down permanently. Right. God, will, God will just do it for you. Exactly. You're just absolutely useless. What's the point for you to be engaged in any sort of kingdom ministry? If your view of God's sovereignty means you just do nothing and let God, just let go and let God. Hmm. That's such yeah. a garbage. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's such garbage teaching. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, you have people, you know, a while ago I was posting a lot of stuff about the human toll, you know, mm-hmm. the, the rise in suicide. You post articles, the rise in child abuse. And then you, you see these Christians in the pro-lockdown church putting these little jabs out well it's not really true you know the, there's not really a, a a growth in you know suicides and people aren't really depressed you know the, mm-hmm. and they're just justifying their own decisions that's all they're doing they're justifying their own decisions mm-hmm. they're justifying their irresponsibility to minister to their people they're they're trying to justify the fact that they've bought into essentially a pagan narrative which reduce humanity down to biotic beings, the pagan notion. They're not demonstrating uh, any sort of a Christian worldview, really. They're they're irresponsible in terms of uh, meeting the needs of people. They have a secular, you know, kind of an entertainment-based understanding of what a church is. Like we can meet everybody's needs on Zoom, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, let's do our, let's get our avatar baptisms up and running. You know, let's... Let's yeah. do our avatar <laughs> communion. Um, these kinds of things. Let's let's have everybody sit in their you know in their jammies with their dog on their laps on a Sunday morning, and uh, you know watch the sermon with a you know hot cup of coffee, and you know who cares about church discipline, the one and others of Scripture, incarnational ministry, uh, loneliness, which was a problem before sin even entered into the world. Who cares about any of that kind of stuff, right? So there's 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 so much corruption. I, I will say, Chris, I was talking to a friend this week, and we both admitted that I am flabbergasted at how so few churches have stood up against this mm-hmm. malarkey. And I always knew that there was a lot of weakness in the Christian church. I always knew that. I always knew there was a lot of compromise. But literally right now we're in a situation where it's the blind, usually it's the blind leading the blind. But now we have the blind not even leading the blind. They're just not even showing up to work. Mm-hmm. We have blind pastors, blind to truth, blind to the circumstances. They're not even they're not even bothering to minister to their people. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're enjoying their sabbaticals or what. Um, I can't imagine that anyone that's filled with the spirit of God who has abandoned their post right now would could not possibly be under conviction or feeling a degree of shame. And you know what? If they're feeling shame, so be it. Mm-hmm. They need to feel that because that's the that's the precursor to repentance and renewal. Mm-hmm. Um, so those those are some things. To yeah, that's good. And just to be clear, and I know that you would uh, agree with this, that it's it, this is the challenge of speaking in generalities is there yeah. are absolutely pastors that have not abandoned their posts that may be sitting on a different uh, conviction than where we are in terms of um, gathering limits and such. And we can have very hearty discussions about those and acknowledge, well, we did, well, I told the brother in our church this two weeks ago, I said, 
your convictions, I believe, are wrong and you need to inform your convictions, but I'm not calling you an apostate uh, necessarily because you have not arrived at the same conclusion, right? We want to be careful with that. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, the word convictions is a little slippery because true convictions are from the Holy Spirit. Okay. True convictions aren't just whatever you happen to think. And so your convictions can be wrong. Um, You can have false views of things. you, you can be just driven by motion or so. So we have people that will say, I disagree with your choice. Okay. Have you read any of my articles? Uh, no, I'm, I haven't. Have you listened to my sermons or teach? No, no. Okay. Well, let me ask you a few questions about this, that They're, they've, they've not studied. Mm-hmm. They've not thought about it, but they know what Doug Ford has to say about it. Yeah. They know what the premier has to say about it. Now there, fortunately there's one good, good thing for us to be aware of. There's a lot of churches out there that are, that are uh, are open and just haven't told anybody. Yes, and they maybe have the uh, the ability to do that, whereas we don't. You know, your geography, the size of your church, all that kind of stuff makes a difference. Um, so there, there's more out there that are open than we think. It's not like there's you know two in all of Ontario, mm-hmm. but the majority are silent. You know, mm-hmm. we have um, large cities in Canada with, you know, they might have thinking of one that probably has seven or eight churches over 500 people. They've really, they've really said anything. Mm -hmm. And, um, that silence by the way is deadly, but at this point I'm, I'm probably less charitable in Mm -hmm. all honesty than I would have been coming into the first, well, definitely the first lockdown because we're all kind of wondering what was going on. The second lockdown, uh, I'm less charitable at this point. Uh, I don't really care what your, you think your convictions are. Mm-hmm. The reality is people around you are suffering. You have a responsibility. Yes. Open your church. Yes, that's good. Hey, uh, on a positive note, let's think about, um, and maybe you could give me some suggestions or give our listeners some ju- suggestions. This is putting unbelievers in a very difficult position where they are ripe for the gospel. Uh. And this weekend, obviously, we want to invite them to churches that are open, that are meeting. Uh, but even in our interactions with them, do you see any any ways that you would leverage the conversation for the gospel? For example, Doug Ford is saying on the announcement today, once the vaccines, once the vaccines will be there, like salvation is found in the vaccine. <laughs> and we know it's like, that's like. There is no other name there. under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved except for the Pfizer vaccine. <laughs> exactly. But definitely not AstraZeneca. <laughs> not that we've been paid yeah. to say one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one of our sponsors is. <laughs> Clearly not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, do you, do you have any, have you found any ways sharing the gospel effectively during this time? Well, you know what? I think our 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 witness uh, to the world is bearing fruit because our witness is not, as would some of my Christian brothers define it, uh, you know, being concerned that the world likes us. Mm-hmm. That's not our witness. Faithful witness is obedience to the word of God and you let the chips fall where they may. We've baptized 62 people in our church since yeah. the um, first lockdown ended. We baptized 29 of those last week. And those are bona fide professions of faith. And so we're seeing many people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, People are flocking to the church in droves. And hey, have we lost some? Yes, but we're also gaining some. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I don't even know 
who these people are. I mean, it, it might sound strange to the to, to listeners in small churches, but on Sunday when I looked up and I saw, you know, 29 people being baptized who've been interviewed by and worked with by other pastors, I, I probably knew a third of them at best. Yeah, These are just new people coming into the church and coming to faith in Christ and growing. So our, our witness to the world is partly just our stand. Uh, I mean, people... Gives, give people something to agree or disagree with. <laughs> mm-hmm. But if you're just neutral on everything, there, there's there's nothing for them to even look your way for. So give people something to agree or disagree with. The gospel itself, uh, you know, offends and attracts, we could say. It, mm-hmm. it offers hope and freedom and liberty and new life and salvation, but it also tells you you're a sinner, a reprobate, you're a rebel without a cause. You know, you have an issue with God. It needs to be resolved and you can't do it by yourself. And the Lord Jesus Christ died on a cruel wooden cross for your sins. You need to surrender yourself to him. So we have in the gospel that, and and Christian churches are going to offend and they're going to attract. They're going to offend and they're going to attract, right? I mean, that's the nature of the gospel. Um, But in terms of, if you're just having like one-on-one conversations with people, uh, I mean, you have all kinds of avenues into that. Uh, you know, you can talk about resurrection, hope, fearlessness. You're not afraid. I'm not afraid of dying. I'm not afraid of this. I'm not afraid of that. You can talk about your priorities, your heavenly priorities. So there's there's lots of opportunities. But we found we find in our church culture that the greatest fruit is not born from knocking on doors, but the greatest fruit is born when the people of God collectively gather and worship, and the proverbial righteous Gentile or unrighteous Gentile comes in and they see the passion and power of the transformational gospel and they're they're welcomed and loved and they hear the Bible preached and they see people actually believing uh, you know that worship is important that it's worth risking a ticket a fine mm-hmm. the early church grew under great persecution the modern church doesn't even know what persecution looks like anymore mm-hmm. I mean there's there's always people running around this isn't persecution this isn't persecution you know what? I, you're obviously not aware the devil hates your guts and he will use even well-meaning people. You don't think Caesar was well-meaning? You don't think uh, Pilate had thought through the issues and thought that what he was doing was right for all the different reasons were in his head, political reasons, et cetera? You don't think the Jews for, um, you know, uh, all their conflicts with Jesus didn't think this guy was a real threat to them? Right. Yep. This is persecution. There's not even any question about it. I'm not going to argue the point. Yep. And um, it's persecution primarily by Satan himself and his minions Amen. against the people of God. He's just using human agents. And uh, so we um, we need to be aware of that. And uh, we live in a spiritually charged world. And our, our battle is not just against flesh and blood. So... Talking about spiritual matters, there's just a natural bridge to that. Mm-hmm. And um, so be, just be, being open about your faith, being honest about your hope, be, uh, showing yourself to be a person of unrelenting conviction, regardless of the cost, is um, I think is going to be a blessing to many people. That's good stuff. Well, I was going to also ask this. It's kind of an off-the-cuff question, but is there uh, any passages of scripture that you've been reading lately that have just been an encouragement to you or like, where are you, where are you at in your Bible reading right now? Yeah. Well, sometimes I, I happen to read like systematically through books, but right now I've sort of been, um, open, 
it might not sound like the greatest method, but sometimes in my life, I just sort of want, just want to open my Bible and see where the pages land. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and, um, so, so sometimes they land in the New Testament. Sometimes they, you know, they, they land in the Old Testament. One passage that I've come back to several times, I even glanced at it again today, is uh, Matthew 10, where Jesus talks about persecution and how to respond to persecution in our lives. And, you know, sometimes you're going to be welcomed in your message. Sometimes you're not going to be welcomed. Sometimes you're going to be, um, you know, received in a town. Other times you shake the dust off. They, they mm -hmm. might even run you out. You go to the next. So I've been thinking about that a little bit. And um, I've also been spending some time in Luke 23 and 24, kind of preparing for, Easter messages, Good Friday messages, and just thinking about all the different personalities that uh, were, you know, on scene at the crucifixion event and their different mm -hmm. responses. So we have the haters there, the Pharisees there that despised Christ. And then we have the, the you know, the thief on the cross that's railing against Jesus. But then we have the repentant thief. Mm -hmm. We have the centurion that comes to faith. We have Joseph of Arimathea. So there's this juxtaposition of personalities, mm -hmm. the, the haters and the lovers, so to speak, at the scene of the cross. And that will always be the case throughout history until God brings all, thing, all things to bear under his supreme lordship in the new eternal kingdom. But um, uh, just thinking about that in the here and now, there's always going to be haters and there's always going to be lovers. And I want to be among the lovers. You know, mm -hmm. I want to be... Uh, you know, the, the thief on the cross that acknowledges his sin and, and his, uh, uh, you know, the, the justice of God's eternal punishment. I want to be, I, I want to be Joseph that gives my all for Christ. I want to be the centurion who participates and then realizes that what he's done is wrong. So th those are just some things I've been thinking about in the last couple of days. Um, yeah, so hopefully that's an encouragement to people. I, I know that you know I'm very committed to reading my scriptures, um, do it daily. But, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes there's just times, there's there's times in your life when you're sort of, quote unquote, getting more out of it and it's impacting you. And other times you're like, oh, that, that's interesting. I'll just tuck that away for a later date. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, I know you've got a lot to do this weekend leading into a Good Friday and a Resurrection Sunday, and we've got uh, lots going on and we are so excited for those services. And if you're in the Windsor area, we'd love to have you out at those at 9 and 11, 15. Uh, and if you're in a church or in an area that uh, you're not sure where there might be services, if you head over to Liberty Coalition Canada, there's a running list of churches that are holding services. And uh, that's a great resource for you. Thank you, Aaron, for your time. Thank you for this conversation. And thank you to each of you who have tuned in. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, uh, you can subscribe to the podcast, rate it and share it on social media. And this week, we especially want you to just remember the resurrection hope that you have in Christ Jesus if you are a believer in him. And if you are not, the resurrection hope that you can have. Uh, make sure to tune in next week to another episode of the Leadership Now podcast with Dr. Aaron Rock.